Have you heard you can listen to your favorite gripping investigations ad-free? Good news! With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash ad-free true crime. That's amazon.com slash ad-free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, Hi everyone. <laughs> How is it going, Darren? I'm still excited because we just finished recording Thursday's Another Shot, which anybody who is listening to the show should go listen to it. And we just got talking about Goosebumps books, and I just can't stop thinking about it now. It really was like the nostalgia episode for me. Like we de- we need to do an episode where we just talk about things that we've been like missing from our childhood yeah. just to bring us like oh, yes. a semblance of happiness. Maybe that'll be like our Labor Day Ooh, special to like end the it. summer. Because um, that's just been happening a lot for me lately. But I'm still like I still have a high off of it. And I've already <laughs> looked up an episode from Tales from the Crypt because I had briefly <laughs> mentioned it. That was one of my favorites. And yeah, I'm just that thing that thing scared me. That little no, it's, skeleton woman. I didn't like her. No, yeah. It was it I don't know if it was a woman. It was unclear was it because she did have long hair or You're she had right. long hair. Okay, but it fair. didn't have a female voice. I don't know. It's a skeleton for fuck's sake. <laughs> I mean, like at that point, what are we really saying? Um <laughs> are you drinking today? Because we don't have Matt because the storm tropical storm isaiah's really knocked out his entire power and internet so we managed to get the case done but unfortunately our bartender is not with us today also just being a reindeer in a storm that's just a tough life to live to begin with you know he was frolicking outside it was his first time he has a shower in weeks he was pleased (laughs) i um i don't have a drink here i keep saying i'm going to i'm still in pittsburgh if you listen to thursday's uh another shot you know why i'm up here um, but oh, really? Yeah, Why are you up there. Well, Darren, you'll have to listen to Thursday's episode to find out. That's a little yeah. tease. There why we don't go. we listen to Thursday's episode to find why I'm pissed at John? Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But, um, all I have is green tea. Does that count as something to drink of the no, week? Lamo, no, it doesn't. Isn't green tea and murder, that's for sure. So maybe I need to step up my game. I will, I will, uh, I'll count it this <laughs> week. I'm, I'm going back to my roots. I've had Palomas recently, but this week I'm going back to my vodka soda. Um, okay. It gives me energy and a little life, which I need. That's great. You, yeah, yes. listen, I'll use that. Why don't we kick off today's episode with some info from you? Hey, let's do it. So it, we're actually going to begin today's uh, story on Mother's Day in Tampa Bay, Florida in 1984, which was the year John Thrasher was born. Not quite. Two years before. Sorry. I That's yes, okay. you were born in 86, 86. not 84. Yep, yep. That's right. My cousin was born in 84, but there not in go. Tampa Bay. Couldn't he do my math. He looks, he's very handsome, reminds you of me, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah, but um, much nicer because um, he has two cats and like, oh. sends me pictures. Send you pictures. And, you know, listen to another shot to find out why John is <laughs> an utter asshole. 
Oh, uh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I'm just, just throwing it in there. If Matt's ooh. not going to be here today, you have to incur my wrath. I, yeah, I, that's fair. All right, I'm here. All right, so we're starting in 1984 in Mother's Day in Tampa Bay, Florida. Two teenagers were playing with homemade parachutes when they detected a foul odor and then discovered a body. Now, homemade parachutes, like, is that like yeah, a sheet? What? Like, like, a, like, like, we're just using, I don't know. I've never made a homemade parachute, but That's they detected a foul idea. odor. Yeah. And the boys called the sheriff's office and a responding detective told Mark of the killer that they found a woman's body lying face down in the dirt. Quote, Ooh. the body had been placed in a position of wanting to display the body almost. So Ooh. her legs had been spread apart, dislocating her hips Ooh, and her hands God. were tied behind her back. She had a rope around her neck that was looped a couple times around, said the detective. So Ooh. just uh, like literally just I, I don't know how else to describe this other than just like this indecent way. Yeah. Uh, uh, of treating anybody, let alone, um, you know, a, a female body for sure. Right. The rope was in a slip knot that could be loosened or tightened. And the detective said it was like a dog leash around the Ooh. victim's neck. So this goes to show disturbing. to me that might have been disturbing. Maybe there was, obviously she's, you know, a little, um, uh, like a BDSM type of thing, yeah, like maybe, maybe some yeah, sexual yeah. foul play here. But another detective from the sheriff's office said, quote, a hangman's noose around a homicide victim next is unusual. I've never seen that before. We thought a noose was used to lead a person around or to control them. Perhaps it was tightened around the throat, end quote. I just mm. think it was interesting that they said dog leash because it almost makes it seem, I yeah. don't know, right. just weird. Well, authorities noted that the location of the victim was in a very rural part of the uh, county on a dead end road. Tire tracks were found and detectives plastered them and sent them to the FBI to try to determine the tire brand. The autopsy re results show that uh, tied up, beaten and physically abused, then choked to death. That's what yeah. the autopsy revealed of the body. So yeah. clearly uh, horrible foul play. This almost feels like a revenge thing. This isn't a quick Definitely. kill and go. And fingerprints identified the woman as 19 year old. Nguyen T. Long, I believe her name is. Nguyen T. Long? Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. She was of Laotian descent, had recently moved to Tampa from L.A., and was working as an exotic dancer and sex worker while saving up to go to college. And her friends called her Lana Long. Lots uh, of um, tough words, by the way, for us American speakers over here. Yeah, I probably culture. am mispronouncing it, um, no, and, I, I, and I, I feel bad doing that. But her first name, if anyone's Laotian out there or can at least help me out, uh, it is N-G-E-U-N. Uh, yeah. I, I want to say it's Nguyen, but yeah. I could be wrong. Investigators found a clue at the scene of the crime, very small red carpet fibers, and Ooh. they speculated that she was murdered elsewhere and then transported to where her body was dumped in a vehicle that had red carpeting. So kind of rolled up in that and some of the fibers kind of caught on between her. Yeah, Two weeks later, like they have, oh, sorry. I was just no. going to say, it sounds like they have, you know, red carpet, tire tracks. That's kind of a lot of evidence. You could probably really... You know, obviously you can't search every single truck or every single carpet, but those are very particular pieces of evidence, details. It at least is helpful, considering yeah. nothing else was found on her. And two weeks later, a man discovered that a woman's body had been dumped about 20 miles away along a dirt road in a secluded area. So mm -hmm. pretty similar. Uh, the victim was actually described as being sort of fresh, meaning she had mm -hmm. no deterioration. There wasn't a, a foul odor that had really uh, emanated because clearly, yeah. you know, she hadn't been sitting there for too long. She was naked and positioned on her back with her hands tied. Now, remember, Long also had her hands tied. Right. A detective said, quote, it was one of the most horrible scenes that I had seen. Her throat was slashed. The fright of this vi on this victim's face was still there from what she went through. Oh, God. I hate that. I hate I, that detail. There was actually a rope tied around her neck, officers noted, and it appeared like a leash 
to control her again. So mm-hmm. kind of similar, uh, the facial expression though, it probably will haunt me forever. Totally. Um, an autopsy revealed the victim had been beaten, stabbed, raped, and strangled. Detectives found similarities in the ligature used in both crimes. So, mm. uh, you know, kind of an important detail. Doesn't mean they were the yeah. same, but yeah. guess what? There were actually red carpet fibers on the ligature at the second scene. So red carpet fibers, again, not overly conclusive, but definitely they're 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 related, it seems. Like they're right. There has there has to be some kind of connection. And the fibers themselves were actually described as trilobal. So according to the internet, a trilobal or quadrilobal fiber formed from thermoplastic polymers said fiber having a cross section comprised of a central core having three or four T-shaped lobes, the legs of each intersecting at the center of said core, such that the angle between the legs of adjacent lobes is from about 80 degrees to about 130 degrees. So I'm not entirely sure what that means, but, (laughs) you know, there's a level of detail on the carpet that was essentially enough for the FBI lab to match those fibers at the scene of the crime. They were the same exact type of fibers. So clearly, even from that definition, it seems like not every carpet just has that or rug or whatever we're talking about. I had to go back and make sure we were talking about a carpet and not like brain sections of the brain, you know, all these lobes and right, exactly. Degrees, but okay, it's carpet. Got it. Well, a detective told Mark of a killer that the red carpet fiber is not just similar. It's from the same vehicle. Mm-hmm. So we know that we have two cases that are connected because of the leash type rope and the red carpet fibers and from the same vehicle, essentially. Exactly. Well, then detectives put together a composite of the victim and someone came forward to identify her as Michelle Denise Sims, who had come to Tampa Bay from California just a few days prior to her kidnapping and murder. Michelle had also been a sex worker. Just like Long, essentially. Yes, exactly. The FBI's behavioral science unit builds a psychological profile of the killer and they came back with something very interesting. They were identifying the subject as being a white male in his 20s. He probably didn't have anything more than a high school education doesn't handle relationships well by the way i find this so fascinating that they can determine all of this based on the evidence at the scene of crimes you know well, like I, I i gotta say you need to watch i'll be gone in the dark uh it just finished on hbo michelle mcnamara yeah. you know story about yep. golden state killer billy and jensen honestly, of course is a oh, part of that as well oh my and so was crime con and just mm-hmm. like you, I learned so much about Joseph D'Angelo, just yeah. from everything that she thought. I mean, obviously she didn't know Joseph D'Angelo, right. but the profile that she had put together, yeah. like matched almost entirely. And That's it's just crazy. fascinating what you can like sort of deem from a crime scene and what we yeah. know from the crimes having no idea what this person looks like at all. Right. That's crazy. Um, Well, further, when this killer uses the ligatures, he's torturing them. He's definitely a sexual sadist. He needs to humiliate these women. So there's a lot of anger. He gets pleasure, not so much from the killing, but from the torture, the crying, the screaming, the pain, which is so disturbing. So this way he could yank them one way. He can loosen. He can tighten. He can repeat that over and over for as long as he wants. He treats these women almost like they're animals or their dogs which is very disturbing you know i'm blanking on the name right now just because we've done so many of these and i know it's going to come to me right after and and hopefully the facebook listeners will also help me out here but there was a uh, serial killer that we had covered i want to say a year or two ago who remember Mm. like specifically targeted sex workers because he thought that not only that they deserved it but that no one would give a shit about them yes that's right yes i can't remember remember the the exact name and i don't 
I can't remember the name, but it'll come to me. Keep going. Yeah, well, a detective told Mark of the killer they suspected the killer had a van because, quote, he may have a may have needed a lot of room to do some of the things that he did, end quote. That's entirely um, possible. Yeah, they were learning a lot, but they still didn't have any leads. They positioned detectives in key arteries and had them write down tag numbers of vans, but nothing panned out. Six months later, on October 14th, 1984, Darren, of course, two years before I was born. Thank you very much. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, another victim was discovered in an orange grove close to a road wrapped in a blanket and naked from the waist down. Detective Cribb told Mark of a Killer, quote, her legs and arms were tied together with different ropes. There were ligature marks all around her neck. The mark around the neck was very similar to that leash type of mark that we were finding on the other crime scenes. Even though there wasn't rope still left on the neck, he, uh, we knew this was another one of our cases that were connected, end quote. Because, again, you know, all these things are sort of looking very similar. Yes. The, the autopsy, quote, showed it was very obvious the red carpet fibers were all over the victim, end quote, said Crib. So, again, this one's gotten more carpet fibers. Fingerprints identified the victim as 28-year-old Karen Beth Dinsfriend, a sex worker who had been walking streets around Nebraska Avenue the same morning her body was found. Nebraska Avenue was a sh uh, sort of red light district, uh, Darren, in Tampa. You know, sorry, this is also make me thinking of not only the uh, killer that we covered, but also a little bit of the trail of uh, tears. Yeah, totally. I was thinking that, too. Because no one thought that they would care about indigenous women right. along those way. And it, it's just, I, I feel like that's why these people, I, I don't know yet, you know, we haven't, yeah, covered yeah. It, but like sex workers are just like, no one gives a shit about them and yeah. no one use their lives as legitimate because based on the work that they do. And I just couldn't think of something more like deplorable than that. I know I completely agree. And I will say too, you know, I'll confess here on the show that just doing the show and learning about sex workers has completely changed my view of it personally. Like I feel like we're, we're taught and we're, we're sort of, we learn through our society that, prostitution and the, the type of sex work that we hear about is, you know, so horrible and terrible and it leads to all these terrible things. But the reality is it's a way of life for so many people. And, you know, even my views on sex, I think have changed over, over the years from this show. So that's um, great. That's we are really, champions really great. Of, of sex workers on the show. Looking for more of the true crime content you crave? From Snap to Buried in the Backyard to Unsolved Mysteries, NBC Universal's new streaming service, Peacock, has you covered. You guys know how much Darren and I love true crime docs. You could hear it in her voice just then. <laughs> and Peacock has so many awesome programs. I'm a huge fan of shows like Snapped and Killer Couples. Getting to binge the hell out of them makes being alone in my haunted house just so much more enjoyable, Darren. I'm thankful for that because your yeah. haunted house absolutely terrifies me, John. <laughs> but to our fans who listen to all of our episodes back, Back to back, you're going to love this service, I promise. They've got a whole true crime channel that just plays endless crime shows. You're never going to run out of awesome content. Plus, more importantly, it's free. I can't believe that it's free. That's the best part. On Peacock, you can stream your favorite shows or check out one of the many always-on channels, which are my favorite things, to get your true crime fix. Learn more at PeacockTV.com. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? 
more confident, capable surgeons, and even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We should mention the first victim, Lana Long, was also known to hang around Nebraska Avenue as well. Detectives scored a lead when they interviewed Karen Beth's boyfriend, who last saw her that morning getting inside possibly a 1977 or 1978 Chrysler Cordoba. Police run background checks of anyone who owns Cordoba from those years to see if any of them have a criminal background, but they didn't find anything. So, you know, listen, this isn't uh, 2020 when there's Snapchat and social media and a million different ways of profiling people digitally. The Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office reached out to any law enforcement agencies from bordering counties or cities within their county to inform them about any females dumped near the side of a road. Then on October 30th, 1984, police find the mummified remains of 22-year-old Kimberly Hopps. She was last seen working as a sex worker near Nebraska Avenue. On November 6th, police find the remains of 18-year-old Virginia Johnson, a sex worker known to spend time on Nebraska Avenue. So basically, Nebraska Avenue is very obviously, you know, a centralized target. Yes. Both had the telltale mark of the leash and collar ligatures tied around their necks. That brings us to five known victims at this point, meaning that Tampa Bay basically has a prolific serial killer on its hands. Detective Cobb told Mark of a Killer, quote, We were concerned about a panic starting in our community. We also did not want the suspect to know that we had connected him to all the different murders. So we kept this a secret that we had a serial murderer. It seemed like the time periods between the murders were decreasing. They were happening more often and covering a large area, end quote. Detective Marsicano said they had officers pose as sex workers on Nebraska Avenue and other places, and they interviewed sex workers to find out information about the victims. That makes sense. I mean, you're going to want to be a part of that community to find out as much of information as you can get. Well, considering, you know, it was certainly illegal, definitely back then, uh, certainly in some areas now, most areas now, it is illegal to do that. But, you know, it's an entire it's an industry based on trust. And so you're right. not going to okay. just rat out other people or say well, information that's a very because, good you know, if a police officer comes up to a sex worker, the sex worker has no incentive to be honest to that officer who's just going to arrest her for doing her job. So totally. I understand I- wanting to kind of embed yourself within that. And, you know, a huge break in the case kind of happens. A girl named Lisa McVeigh Noland called police after surviving, being abducted, tied up with ligatures and raped. So she survives Ooh. this. According to the Tampa Bay Times, Lisa, who was 17 at the time, had been working at a Krispy Kreme donut shop and was riding her bike home. Let me just say, I fucking love Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> I love them, too. Just, just saying. I haven't had um, one in a while, though. Oh, yeah. They just opened one in Midtown Manhattan. On <laughs> That's so right. Yeah. Nice. Well, a man grabbed Lisa from behind and dragged her off the bike. And Darren, actually, I have a clip of what Lisa told Mark of a Killer, but I want to read it because I think it's very powerful. She says, quote, I felt the cold steel barrel of a gun 
to my left temple and I screamed out, God, whatever you do, just don't kill me. He told me to shut up and he drug me to the car. He shoved me into the passenger side, ordered me to keep my eyes closed. And he starts tying my wrists, my legs, and he blindfolded me. He ordered me to perform an oral sex act on him. He goes, listen, if you do what I say throughout the night, show me a good time. I won't kill you. We're traveling on the highway for 10, 15 minutes. I see a shining light beneath my blindfold, which revealed the word Magnum on the dashboard. He gets me out and we go into an apartment. And that's been the first time the blindfold came off. I was ordered to take my clothes off and he had the gun pointed at me from behind like he was going to shoot and kill me right there and then. Too much of my surprise to much of my surprise, he escorted me into the shower. He grabbed me and pulled me to him, just held me like um, he was playing out a romantic fantasy with a girlfriend or something. I get out, puts the blindfold back on me, ligatures on my wrist and my hands, takes me to the bed, takes the gun and said, don't do anything stupid. He repeatedly raped me over and over. I uh, lost count. I was trying to leave little clues here and there in case I didn't make it out alive. At one time, I took my barrette and threw it under the bed. I put my fingerprints everywhere on the glass, the hairdryer, the, the curtains. I wanted people to know that I was there. There will be times he could be as nice as can be, and then there are other times a raging maniac. Hit me, beat me, raped me over and over again. I asked, why are you doing this to me? It's due to a bad breakup. He was tired of being hurt by women, and he was going to get back at women no matter whatever it took. End quote. And I just thought that was like a really powerful clip that we had to include here. After 24 hours of this, a news break came on the television about Lisa being abducted off of her bicycle. Wow. And the perpetrator became upset, pacing back and forth. And Lisa said she could tell he didn't know what to do with her. Mm. OK, like. Uh, like th he probably seemed as frantic as possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Saying she felt like she needed to play on his heartstrings. She told him, listen, you seem like a real nice guy. I'll be your girlfriend. We don't even have to tell anybody how we met, or we could say we met in a bar End quote. I've often thought about this before. And I've often thought about sort of appealing to mm -hmm. any sort of vulnerable side as possible, taking the opposite approach. Because if you know that he's sort of getting his rocks off, if you will, on fear and terror, what about playing the opposite card with it? Obviously, it's hard to think about in that moment. But totally, giving her time, yeah. I don't blame her for going right here. I think that's actually probably a smart move. And yeah. according to the Tampa Bay Times, she also, quote, made up a story that she was the sole caregiver to an ailing parent to try to evoke sympathy. End mm -hmm. quote. That's terrible. So he blindfolded her, put her in his car, explained that he needed to stop to get money, gave her a hug and said he was sorry she had to go through all this and dropped her off next to a big tree. Wow. So something clearly had broken within him. Lisa reported her brutal ordeal to the police and was taken to the hospital. While there were no leash-like ligatures involved, detectives became curious after hearing Lisa had been tied up with a rope. And Detective Cribb had her clothing sent to the FBI lab, which confirmed, guess what? They were the same red carpet mm. fibers on them as, as previously. So Lisa actually told detectives the attacker was very clean cut, had a pockmarked face and a small bushy mustache, short hair, thin eyebrows, small ears. So at least it's she's giving us details, more details yeah, than we probably cool. could have had before. Detectives subpoenaed all of the banks in the area to see who had withdrawn money from an ATM around the time Lisa was dropped off after midnight in the early morning. So that that could narrow oh, it down. Right. I didn't even think of that. 
Detective Marissa Cano said that they also had some research discover there was only one car that had the word Magnum on its dashboard, a 1978 Dodge Magnum. So Ooh. police issued a be on the lookout order for the car, but there were a ton of Dodge Magnums in that area at the time. But at least we've narrowed it down. So yeah, totally. shortly after Lisa escaped her kidnapping, a woman named Kim Swan was found nude and face down with ligature marks on her neck and wrist. She'd been an exotic dancer on Nebraska Avenue, but had quit after having a son. And she moved back in with her parents and actually got into school. Tire tracks were found near where Kim's remains were discovered, and they matched the other crime scene. So Jeez. pattern is forming here. There's Days just after- yeah, so many details. It just feels like, gosh, they have a, almost everything they need. They just need to find the guy now. It has to be so frustrating, though, because like right. even though there's and I and I use the word excitement loosely here about finding more clues and finding that yeah. they all relate. It's also a little bit saddened and frustrating because you're like, how many more of these killings need to happen? before well, we that's catch this true. Guy? Totally. You know, and certainly with the Golden State Killer, they felt that way. Yeah, definitely. So days after Kim's body was dumped, two detectives pulled over a Dodge Magnum that was driven by a man named Robert Joe Long, who matched Lisa's description. White male, mid-30s, mustache, pockmarked face, average build. They took Robert, who went by Bobby, to the police department, saying they were looking for a robbery suspect, so it was just not to tip him off. So we have Bobby Joe Long in custody. Police asked if they could take a picture of Bobby just to make sure he wasn't associated with the robbery. You know, they're kind of trying to play it cool. Right, right. And they discovered he made obscene calls to a 12-year-old girl in 1981 and was on probation for sexual assault and battery although he had avoided prison time. So regardless of his guilty of these murders, doesn't seem like a good dude. Yeah. Either way. You know what I mean? Yeah, not at all. But then police had to let him go because they had no reason to hold him at that time. They began to look into Bobby's background while putting him under 24 hour surveillance. I also was just thinking like, obviously um, even in the last couple of years, I feel like home security and like security footage has really like, become way more mainstream i guess you could say and like everyone has those like nest or google things going on at their houses but back in 84 like they probably didn't even have cameras you know around a lot of these places where he might have been taking out um money etc etc so um just something to think about that i think you know we think of as commonplace now might not have been the the same scenario back then absolutely Uh, A forensic psychologist said Bobby's mom had left his father and relocated to Florida from West Virginia. She allegedly had a lot of short-term boyfriends, and Bobby believes she put their needs and wants before his. Hmm, this sounds familiar. You know, the whole Oedipus complex, in a sense, of issues with mommy, you could say. Darren, I think you remember a certain person, you know, a certain um, killer. Ed Kemper. Ed Kemper, your best friend? Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, um, I, I just get him, you know what I mean? You just get him. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> well, the psychologist said, quote, she's doing sexually provocative things as he's developing. She would dress in skimpy outfits that shamed him and made him angry, end oh. quote. Oh, God. dear. God, I mean. Listen, we could break that down. but It uh, all comes back to shitty parents, doesn't it? I mean, isn't that <laughs> the fucking theme of a lot of these killers? Shitty fucking yeah. parenting. Not always. Not always, but sometimes. Apparently, Darren, Bobby shot the family dog in its V-word when he was 13 years old. And you whoa, know, I, whoa. <laughs> I don't say the V-word on the show. What's uh, the V-word? I'm unfamiliar. Why don't you fill the, the listeners in? Okay. 
Okay, so Why don't you Bobby read this shot the family dog in the vajayjay when he was God, 13 years old. Um, Terrible detail. Horrible. And also, like, not only shooting an animal, like, I can't even, but clearly where he shot her. Like, it's this is a disturbed fucking mm -hmm. individual. A criminologist told Mark of the Killer, quote, he's making a point. He says that the dog was treated better than he was, end quote. Yeah. Bobby also suffered several head injuries as a child that the psychologist believed most likely affected his personality, his ability to control his behavior, and his sex drive. As detectives are looking into Bobby's background, they got the results back listing ATM transactions, which Darren had just talked about. Three banks had activity at 2 a.m. One of those was Robert Joe Long. Not only that, Lisa came to the police station to look at a photo lineup, one photo of Bobby plus five others who looked similar to him. Lisa said, quote, and when I saw the sixth photo, I said, that's him. An officer asked her how sure she was. She responded, I said, 110%, that's him. I'm telling you that's him because of the pockmarked face and the small mustache, the nice haircut. He was the boy next door. You would never think to even look at him twice. To know that he was hiding demons or that he was one, end quote. I thought that wow. was an interesting piece, that hiding demons or that he was one, which I thought was interesting. Um, Bobby's ex-wife told Mark of a Killer, quote, The first time that I met Bobby, we were 13 years old and we hit it off. He was tall, he had gorgeous eyes, gorgeous hair, and he was always funny, cracking jokes, kind of a smart aleck. We get married and we have children. I was convinced we were going to live happily ever after, but there were signs that he wasn't quite right. The screw was always a little bit loose. He was so jealous, and you know, if any of the other boys would look at me or really talk to me, he they'd end up getting beat up by him and stuff like that, end quote. Which, I don't know, you know, like, I think about this too, about not just my relationships, not that I've ever had anything like this, but, you know, I don't know if it's just doing this podcast, but it's like, sometimes I look at couples and I'm like, you know, let's be honest, I know a lot of very interesting details about couples for some of my friends and it's like you're not that far off from some of the people i talk about <laughs> on my podcast yeah you're like hmm. <laughs> you're trying to pick up like details you're like do you yeah. have a red carpet yeah uh, did you have a red carpet weirdo right. over here yeah i don't know maybe that's just me anyway bobby joe long suffered yet another head trauma when he crashed on a motorcycle in 1974 and his ex-wife said it changed him and he became an animal choking and beating her at times which Jesus. is so disturbing um you know, if he um, had head trauma yeah. during that motorcycle crash, I mean, you know, you can change your whole personality depending on what oh, receptors, yeah. what part of your brain is there. I'm not the chemistry is yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I'm not saying that that gets him off the hook, but like one accident like that can completely change you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it completely rebalances your chemistry. Who knows what's going on? Exactly. Well, recalling one horrible but courageous moment, she said, quote, I remember one time he when he knocked me unconscious and I woke up and he was, you know, like hovering over me. I thought, I'm tired of having the living hell beat out of me. I need to get out of this relationship or he's going to end up killing me. So I took the gun and I cocked it and I held it to his head. And he goes, go ahead, bitch. You don't have the nerve. And I said, you know what? I do have the nerve, but my kids are worth more than you. You'll ever be worth to me. And I can't do this to my children. Children and I said I'm filing for divorce. End quote. Very um, disturbing. Uh, you know, not a, not a good not a good relationship. I guess you could say there. It wasn't. It wasn't um, the most romantic. I, no, it that's, seem that's like that. what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. No. 
very not romantic. Well, on November 16th, 1984, undercover police follow Bobby as he went to a movie theater to watch Missing in Action with Chuck Norris. Interesting. Something about it being a Chuck Norris film makes I me know. laugh. You know yeah, what I mean? Same, same with me. Some of the detectives went into the movie and some stayed outside and matched Bobby's tire to the tread left at multiple crime scenes. Because, right, at this point, one of the victims has pointed him out of a lineup. They they have matched his ATM records potentially to yeah. to the suspect. I would absolutely have done the same thing, you know, go and take some tread marks. Well, I mean, it does kind of line up and it is smart, you know what I mean? And Bobby Joe was yeah. 31 years old and was arrested when he came out of the movie. I mean, can you believe that this guy, I mean, he's my age practically. Yeah. Uh, just like a young, just kind of crazy. Detectives just amassed a ton of evidence, which is what we were talking about. The red carpet in his car matched with the fibers at the crime scene. Uh-huh. They recovered hair fibers and fingerprints on some of the victims in the car. Wow. And remember, we know uh, that the woman who survived put fingerprints everywhere from that recording mm-hmm. that we heard. So mm-hmm. she wanted people to know she was there, and thank God for that. They had a search warrant for his house where they found a lot of evidence left behind by Lisa, plus the ligatures and leashes used. Bobby Joe wow. admitted to abducting and raping Lisa McFay, but denied murdering. However, mm-hmm. once he was confronted with the mountain of evidence that had been gathered by police, he confessed to murdering 10 women. So I guess he wow. thought he could kind of get away with it. He also confessed to a string of rapes throughout the state that had not been solved. So he would respond to ads and papers for bedroom Mm. furniture sets. And once he got to a seller's house, he would determine if a woman was alone. Wow. That's like, wow. I mean, this is the point about Craigslist and like furniture and like, don't, I will give it to you outside of my apartment. I will give it to you in the daytime. Like, I don't want anyone to know where the fuck I live. Well, Detective Cribb said, quote, he committed at least 50 that he confessed to. We estimated to be closer to 100. And at the end of his confession, he was relieved. And from getting all this, you know, from getting all these secrets off his chest, he was exhausted. Like he played a football game. But during the time I dealt with Bobby Joe Long, he never showed remorse to anything that he had done. Clearly, this was like a a revenge thing in his mind. Almost like he got treated so badly that, you know, this was his this was his like justification for the world. Yeah, you know, he absolutely. deserved this in a way. Lisa McVeigh Nolan said, quote, I remember when they caught him. It's like 12 days after my abduction, they caught him. And when they told me, I cried. I'm like, you what? You caught him? Not only did they catch him, they caught him with the help of a 17-year-old girl. That was big. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, I mean, that's pretty huge. And in 1985, Bobby Joe pleaded guilty to eight of the 10 murders and was sentenced to death. He remained on death row until he was 65 and had exhausted all of his appeals. On May 23rd, the day before my birthday last year, (laughs) 2019, Bobby Joe Long was executed. Long, who was 65, was pronounced dead at 6.55 p.m. at Florida State Prison in Rayford, according to NBC News. Many of his victims' relatives were there to witness, plus his surviving victim, Lisa McVeigh, who sat in the front row. Lisa even said, I wanted to look him in the eye, according to CNN. Quote, I wanted to be the first person he saw. Unfortunately, he didn't open his eyes. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that we do see that quite a bit. I mean, certainly with Golden State Killer, he didn't, on trial, Joseph D'Angelo didn't look at any of his victims. It was, you know, it just the shame and just cowardly, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Also in the front row was uh, Algalana Douglas, whose sister Chanel Williams had been murdered. 
Quote, that was something I wouldn't miss, she told the Tampa Bay Times. After being administered lethal drugs, the Tampa Bay Times wrote, quote, soon his breathing became disjointed, his mouth appeared to start twisting, and his breathing grew more labored. A state official pressed on his shoulders at 6.47 p.m. A minute later, Long appeared to stop breathing, end quote. Mm. I don't like that imagery of um, no. breathing become disjointed and... Well, it's just not fun for me either, so I can't really like celebrate that, but I'm sure that brought a lot of closure to the victims. For sure, say to that. the victims, yeah. Bobby Joe's ex-wife Cindy has remorse about her involvement in his life, telling Mark of a killer, quote, if I can only explain how I felt after I found out what he had done, I just, I hate to cry. I hate for him to be able to make me cry still. It's like, it makes me feel like he still has this control somehow, some way. I carried the guilt for so mm-hmm. many years that had I just pulled the trigger that night, I would have saved, you know, 10 plus lives and all these people wouldn't have had to suffer the way that they had suffered, end quote. I mean, there's certainly something about, you know, survivor's guilt and let alone someone being related um, to this murder. You know, I I hope that she can find peace with it because how the fuck could you ever know? You know, like her life might have been ruined if she had pulled that trigger. You know, you you, you just don't know. And it's kind of horrible to think about. And I hope she doesn't have to live with that forever. Maybe she got some closure. Even yeah. Death. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to, you know, I think about Ted Bundy's like, you know, wife and, you know, the, the daughter that they raised together, who I think they're doing some sort of like 2020 or some kind of special about her soon. But, um, you know, same kind of thing here where like they had a whole fun life together. It looked like it was so much fun. Life was crazy. And then she didn't really know what he was capable of, you know, and it, it always makes me kind of just take second looks. Like I was just saying earlier about my friends and their relationships, because it's like, you just honestly never really know what people are capable of, you know, or what makes them snap, so to speak. You really don't. And you know what? Not for nothing. That's why I always say to people who are like getting in relationships or they meet someone online and they move in really, really quickly. It's like, yeah. You know, it, it's, I'm not saying you got to wait seven years, but like people who move in after like a couple weeks, it's like, you don't know that person yet. You know, and the likelihood yeah. of them being a serial killer is very small, but like get to know a person first and really, so, you know, start to know their friends, start to know their families. Yeah, um, sure. Just cause you really don't know. And you know, someone can seem like the boy next door and a really nice guy and uh, you know, thin and small. How could he hurt me? How could he hurt a fly? But you end up seeing this and it's just, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, tell us what you thought about today's episode on social media, hashtag martinis murder, Jay Thrasher, Carpe Darren. If you must, Matt underscore the underscore bartender. If you Uh, must, if you must, Darren, real quick, let's do some Peacock shout outs. You know, we're still loving Peacock. I wanted to mention ET. That's right. ET and Beetlejuice are both now on Peacock which is a new addition from last week. And I watch, I'm going to be watching both of them this week. Um, I already watched Beetlejuice. <laughs> sorry. I that doesn't surprise you. me. Yeah. I'm sorry. I beat you to the punch, yeah. but you know, we were talking about nostalgic things in another shot and I forgot to mention that That's Beetlejuice right. was one of them. Yes. Um, and I want to get to some shout outs. Of course, Tegan in our Facebook group says, first off, I love that name. This yeah. Peacock TV is amazing in all caps. We have been binging snapped. All night. I love to hear it. That's great. Yes. Carpenter33 on Twitter says, I love this, Darren, at NBC Universal should be cutting Carpe Darren and Jay Thrasher a big check for plugging Peacock TV as much as they do. They're the driving factor in its popularity, and you can't convince me otherwise. I agree. I think my mom (laughs) even agrees with that. She's like, 
wow, you guys like Peacock. And I'm like, well, that's what I'm It's pretty good. Like, we do it like is it amazing. Yeah. Um, I love that people think that it's just us just driving all the marketing for this show or for this app. You know what I mean? I'll send this, Darren, to our friends at Peacock and maybe we'll get a, you know, a, a slice of the pie, so to speak. I don't know. One can, one can only hope, Jay Fresh. Oh, yes, exactly. All right, guys, that's it for this week's episode. Darren, we're doing an Instagram Live on Wednesday. Is that right? We are. So we're going to see you guys at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll do a couple assets to remind you guys next week. Uh, We'll make sure to have a countdown clock going on there just so it's, you know, a lot easier for you guys. And you can just pop it into your timeline so you can catch it because we want all of your questions uh, coming in. Yeah, coming in. All right. We'll see you guys on Wednesday. If nothing else, you'll hear us on another shot Thursday. Bye. Bye.